0: What state is your soul in at the moment? I thought that was a pretty good uh, title. And uh, basically, I just wanted to say at the outset uh, that I want to introduce this by reminding us that God is our creator, and he's a creator who loves beauty and colors. You've only got to look around at this world and see the, the design of our creator. He's a God who loves design and balance and order. And we're going to look today, we are in Hebrews and Hebrews is a book which in many ways is a difficult book because it's talking about the tabernacle, it's talking about the Old Testament priests. But I am believing today and I tell you I have been really asking God all week and spent a lot of time and just asking him please help me to get this across in a real way that would not just be simple for you to actually grasp because I've had to grasp it for myself this week but also to be something that we could apply to our lives in the actual working out of of our lives in a practical sense. So we're going to look and see how, first of all, yes, the tabernacle does show us God's plan of salvation. It also, believe it or not, shows us something about the way that the heavens and the earth were made, and we'll be touching in on that, and there's a reason for that and thirdly eh, we're going to see that the tabernacle shows us how God originally made us in his image remember God is three in one father son and holy spirit and we're going to see through this talk today with God's help with the holy spirit's help we're going to see that God originally made us in his image to be tripartite or if you like people who have three parts that we're made god is father son and holy spirit but we have three parts we are body soul and spirit and god originally designed man that the body and the soul and the spirit would be in complete harmony with god that's why god was able to walk through the garden of eden and just have a chat with them and everything was perfect because that's the plan that god had at the beginning But the problem is that, sadly, sin entered the world. And you all know that story, and I don't need to go into that again. But you know that they listened to the lies of the enemy instead of listening to what God said. And God had told them that the day that they would eat of the fruit of that tree in the garden, that they would surely die. And the enemy said, what? That's nonsense. And so they listened to the the lies of the enemy. But when they did turn away from God, God's word did come to pass, as it always does, because they did surely die. And how did they die? Well, they didn't die physically, but the spirit part of them that God had made, it died. So it was a bit like all of a sudden their spirit that had been alive and connected with God, the spirit part died and they couldn't connect with God in that same way. And not only did the spirit die, but the physical body began to disintegrate because from that moment on, they started. their body began to go into decay. God didn't plan for us to, to die. Originally, we, our bodies were, were not have died. But from that moment, they started to die. And of course, we all know that, that our bodies are decaying as, we, as we're getting older. And thirdly, not only did it affect our, 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 our body, not only did it affect our spirit. But it affected our soul because our souls became lost. Now, your soul is your mind and your will and your emotion, your emotions. And I think that I really want to get that. When you talk about your soul, we're talking about your mind and your will, the way the way you think and the what you do, and your emotions. And sadly, your soul became lost. It went on its own way and got separated from God. So that's what happened. Uh, at the garden of eden that's what happened when sin came into the world and on top of that the world the actual physical world was affected as well because uh, it changed as well and if you read romans we haven't time to do it but i've given you romans 8 19 to 30 23 it tells us that even now the world's crying out for the final redemption because sin impacted our world as well because sin hurts Sin brings pain, and sin means that we turn away from God. We aren't lined up with God. And so Jesus Christ came, of course, to fix that. But we're going to look at the tabernacle, and the only way that I could think of doing this was to use this board thing. So we're going to trust God to help me it, um, because it's not going to be too big of a sketch like. But uh, we're going to I'm going to hold this fraternity about ten things at one time here. So, yeah, I wanted you to see that the tabernacle was like a great outer court. Okay, so it was an outer court, there was actually fences that went the whole way around and I didn't bother drawing those, but that whole area was the, known as the outer court. And inside there were like two rooms inside if you like, there was a room here and another one here and this one was called the holy place and this one was called the holiest of all. Now, I just wanted to write that before we do anything. So you can get a picture. That's what the tabernacle looked like. And you see, God's a God of design. It wasn't just made like that for no reason. But we're going to see today how this ties in with you and ties in with me. And the tabernacle, it later became the temple. So the tabernacle was the, the, the origin. Later on, the, t- the temple became a permanent building. But this was a, a building that they took with them through the wilderness, And as they moved, they would have stopped and they would put this up, erected this tabernacle in the wilderness as a place to meet with God. Later on, when they got to live in Israel and started to live permanently there, then they built a permanent building. That's what it was called, the temple, but they're basically for the same job. So this was the original tabernacle and this was where God's presence dwelt. God's presence was here in the holy place and that's where God... And, the, and God told Moses that he had to make this tabernacle and everywhere they went that they were to bring this with them. And God said, it's because I want to be with you. It's because I love you so much that I want my presence to be with you everywhere you go. And so they carried this, this with them. and. God dwelt in this holy place in a thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which we'll go into it at another time. But uh, God also told Moses not only to make this tabernacle in a certain way, in a certain design, but he told Moses to get some priests organized to come from the family of Levi. They all came from the one tribe. And these priests were called Levites and they, their job was that they would be priests and they were to bring sacrifices for sin. There was sacrifice out here in the outer court and um, there were sacrifices done in the outer court every day. So if you were going to your work one day and you're going up to your job somewhere around Jerusalem and you'd uh, go past and you'd look up and you would see that there was smoke going up and you'd realise, ah, that's the morning sacrifice. And you'd be reminded that, 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 that animals were being offered for your sin and you would know that God was forgiving your sin because the animals were dying instead of you. Because sin always brings death the soul that sinneth it shall die, the Bible says. And so in the morning you would go up and then you're coming home from work in the evening and you're coming home and you'd look and you see the smoking up again and you'd remember, ah, oh, that's the evening sacrifice. God had a, a morning and an evening sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? And we're going to see Jesus actually does a greater job because we have a 24-hour permanent, finished sacrifice that we can connect with God at all times. So these jobs, the priests, these, the job of these priests was to to bring these sacrifices every single day. They, they, the priests were in here, but they were also went up in here. And there were certain things, we're gonna look next week at what was actually in here, but they, they ministered in here. And then just once a year, only once a year, the high priest went right in with the blood sacrifice, right into the Holy of all, through this big thick veil. The veil here which was known as the veil of the, of the, of the tabernacle. They tell us, it's not in the Bible, but some, I keep hitting this, so I'm sure when you're getting your recordings, every so often you'll hear this big bang, so I'm going to try and step over <laughs> this. But uh, the veil apparently that separated the holy place from the holiest of all, apparently it's not in the Bible, but uh, some of the literature from way, Wei- way back in the Jewish stuff would say that that veil was the breadth of a man's hand. It was so thick and it was so strong. I heard somewhere that two teams of horses pulling both directions couldn't have ripped it. It was a very, very thick veil. And that was to protect the people from the holiness of God because you know what? If they had come in their sins, they would have died. And so this was because, this veil was there because God's presence was dwelling here. In fact, it's known as the kind of Glory. There was a, a light here, God's light dwelt in this holy place. And so this is what the arrangement was in the Old Testament, uh, way, way back, uh, whenever uh, the priest would sacrifice the sin every day and then once a year, they would go right in here and would bring the blood offerings right in here. The priest would bring it for his own sin as well as for the sins of the people. This was called the Day of Atonement. And that was the day that God would, for another year, the sins of the people would be forgiven for another year. The Day of Atonement. Atonement means to make at one. Now, we're gonna, I'm just doing that to give you a wee outline here, and uh, you'll see why that's important in a moment. Because this was God's arrangement. Now, I want to read to you, so that you know I'm not telling you googly I want to read, there's loads you could read in Hebrews, but I, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. And I want to read to you from chapter 9 of Hebrews. And here's what it says. It tells us about these different compartments, the outer court, then the first room and the second room. And it tells us, it tells us about it. Let's just read it. It says, from, i read from verse 6. The first verses tell us what was in these rooms, but from verse 6 it says, When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, And only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. Because this is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them, for that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansings and ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater more perfect tabernacle in in heaven which was made not by human hands and is not part of the created world but with his own blood not the blood of bulls and goats and calves but with his own blood jesus entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever so do you get that that this was happening on a daily basis in the old testament in and out and the high priest once a year up here, but when Jesus came, he was going to fulfill this picture. He would be a, not, a, not a human priest who was sinful and who was going to die, but Jesus was without sin. He was never going to die, and you can read that in chapter 7. He was, he was holy and spotless, totally undefiled, and he was going to go in to be himself, not only the, himself the priest, but he was going to be uh, not only the priest, but the sacrifice, and he was going to go in with his own blood, and once he would give his own blood, that was enough for sin. Because he was totally holy and spotless. And God was satisfied. And from that moment on, we could be accepted. And we could be come into God's presence at any time. In fact, you all know this, what happened whenever Jesus died. Do you remember? This veil was ripped in two. What did that mean? It meant that there didn't need to be a big veil now anymore, that we could go straight into God's presence 24-7, that we could go in and talk to God and, and tell him whatever was going on in our lives and he would be able to listen to us legally and we would have no fear of death being struck down dead because Jesus had paid to make a way right through. The Bible says he saves us to the uttermost. Now, you're going to see why that's important in a wee moment, because this tabernacle has so much to teach us, not, as I said, only about the plan of the Old Testament, how the priests brought the sacrifices in for sin and how Jesus fulfilled that, but we're going to see that this this tabernacle was made in a specific way. It was a specific design. So let's just read here. There's one verse I want to read you, and it's in... um, it's in chapter 8 of Hebrews and it's verse 5 and it says, talking about these priests, it says that they served in a system of worship that is only a copy or a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern that I have shown you here on this mountain. I'll read on another verse. But now Jesus our high priest has been given a ministry that's far superior to the old priesthood for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant which God based on better promises. And we could go on there and you could see uh, in a, quite a few places it tells us that this design, this tabernacle was a particular design. Now here's why it's so important that you get this. Because this was not only, we're going to see in a moment, that the design of this tells us something about our body, soul, and spirit. But as well as that, it, it tells us, what did I say at the beginning, that this tabernacle is going to show us God's plan of salvation, but it's also going to show us something about how God created the heavens and the earth. You see, uh, the the tabernacle, it had this outer part, then it had this inside the first room and the third room that is three that's three 3 areas within the, 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 the tabernacle so the tabernacle doesn't only show us how the priest offered the sin and it shows us what jesus was going to do but this outer area tells us that heaven the heavens were made in three parts do you know that do you know that there's not just one heaven there's three heavens put your hand up if you know that there's three heavens right now, the Tower is a picture of the heavenly places because the outer court is a bit like it's a bit like our Earth's atmosphere. Okay, for the bird's flap, where we breathe. Apparently, I think it's only about 20 miles up there, isn't it? Before you break through into outer space. So, the outer court was a picture of the of the of the first heaven, if you like, the Earth's atmosphere, the holy place. Was a picture of what's beyond that, which is outer space. That's where the spaceships go up. That's where God created the moon and the stars and the sky. And if you if you don't uh, follow what I'm saying, you can read it here. In fact, I've given it to you in a few references. Um, it, it tells us that in Genesis one and nine that God created the the um, the heavens, and He says, "And the earth was finished." And it's in the it's in the plural. And it, it talks in uh, Sam eight and eight Matthew six. James, but I've given you the references there. It tells us about the birds being in the air, in the heavens. So the second heaven is the holy place, and then the third heaven. Remember the Apostle Paul said that he was taken up out of his body into the third heaven, and according to third things that were on secret. Third heaven is where God actually lives. So the astronauts have gone up into this part, of the, the outer space. I think I'll actually do this in a different colour. What do you think about that for me, right plan? So this is like outer space here, this is like the first heavens here, the atmosphere, and this one here then, this one is where God dwells, this is the third heaven where God dwells. Now the astronauts have been able to get around here and they've talked, some of them have been people who love God and who have spoke very reverently. But some of them have said, well, I didn't see God up here. Well, no, they wouldn't have, because God was up here. And this part's blocked off to them. And God lives in the third heaven. So whenever you look at this now, what do you see? That You see, whenever Jesus came, the priests could only go as far as they could go. They could go through this this little tabernacle. They were able to bring the blood sacrifice here. Uh, then they were able to bring it in here and put all stuff in it here and then the one day of the year the day of atonement the priest could walk here and this was as much as they could do this was their uttermost, that's all they could do and it was never enough to, to get rid of sin people still had a conscience about sin but God was pleased to cover the sin for another year until the next year whenever the high priest would go in and do the same thing all over again but do you see what Jesus did the Bible tells us that Jesus came and he became the final sacrifice for sin. And he came as a perfect high priest who had no sin of his own. And he went right in here. Only it wasn't just into a building. He didn't bring his, he didn't go into the tabernacle. He went right into heaven. That's what the Bible tells us. He went right into heaven. And so he he brought he went into the very presence of God. Do you see what he did? It says that he went through the heavens. If you read Hebrews 4, it says that, he's our, that, that, God, that Jesus actually went through the heavens. Plural. I've given you the references in your notes. He went through the heavens with his own blood, right into heaven itself. That's the difference. And that's why you and I are absolutely sure that, that what Jesus has done for us is enough. Now, here's the thing. Not only, are you still with me, not only is this a picture of what the Old Testament priest did and what Jesus was going to do, not only is it a picture of the three heavens, but this is also a picture of us as being tripartite, or if you like, people who have three parts. We have a body, which here, give me the colour now, the red, now for danger. We have a body, which is a bit like the outer court. We have a soul. Which is our mind, will, and emotions? And we have a spirit. Do you see how the three line up? And do you see that 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 whenever the high priests entered the, the this outer place here, they they offered sacrifices, uh, and when they came in here they came in with blood, and when they came in here, they came in with blood. Do you see that Jesus went right through into the into heaven itself so that he could save us spirit, soul, and body. See, God's interested in all of us. And, and, and this bit here in the middle is the bit that causes us, believe it or not, the most trouble. The mind and the will and the emotions. Now you see, whenever whenever um, Whenever we became Christians, when we asked Jesus to be our Saviour, when we realized that we needed a Saviour, that our sin was was destroying us, when we realised that we needed salvation, we asked Jesus to save us, immediately the Holy Spirit came in to live in your life, and the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. So you are now actually the Bible says you are now actually a tabernacle or a temple of God's presence. So this whole picture was a picture of you being the tabernacle or the temple, the person, now you carry the presence of God in the same way as the tabernacle and the temple did. Oh dear, sorry about that. There. In the same way that the temple and the and the tabernacle did. So if you read, in uh, that many things sitting in front of me here that I hardly know where I am. Uh, but if you read, I think I've given you, Oh, here's in my hand. If you read in um, Corinthians, you will see that actually God talks about us being, um, he talks about us being uh, like the temple of God. Do you not know that you are the tabernacle or the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? So in the Old Testament, these priests and carried this tabernacle and they set it up everywhere they went and it was to carry God's presence. But when Jesus came and died on the cross and paid for your sins, everywhere you go, now the moment you ask Jesus into your heart to save you, your spirit became alive. It was dead before that. And it became alive because the Holy Spirit came to live in your spirit. So you're sealed with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you're like a walking tabernacle, and you're walking around Lurgan. And it's like you're walking tabernacle. Because you've got the Holy Spirit inside you, and you have free access into the holiest of all, into the presence of Jesus, any moment, 24-7, you could be standing on the queue in Tesco's and you could be talking away to God in your spirit and you could be worshipping God in your spirit and you're going right into heaven itself. Isn't that amazing? Is that not something for us to get excited about? You're living, walking, breathing, have Right? So your spirit is saved and your spirit... I'll take this one more time. Your spirit is... Uh, is the, carries the Holy Spirit, but you've still got this part of you, the, the soul, and uh, the soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And this is what we have to sort out. Because once you get saved and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you here, your soul can still be a bit all over the place. You're thinking all the wrong thoughts. You're, 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 you know the way it works. <laughs> and before you know, your body's out of control and you're all over the place. And so, what I feel that God has given to me, and I'll tell you, girls, that I have wrestled with, this, partly because after Christmas I felt like my soul was all over the place. Do you ever feel after Christmas when you've been able to eat as much as you want, drink as much as you want, much sweet stuff? You know what I mean? Sleep whenever you want, get up whenever you want, no discipline, no nothing. Do you not find that after Christmas you're all over the place? You know why? Because your soul has been disordered. Let's get out of sync. Because, believe it or not, your soul actually needs, needs to be in line with the Holy Spirit. Your, your soul actually needs this, it? and And we're not actually happy. When we give our soul everything it wants, it doesn't satisfy us. And that's the thing that, that people don't realise. We think, well, if I could just get what I feel I need, my mind, my will, my emotions, if I could get that all I'd be sorted. Of not a bit of it. You need what the Holy Spirit says you need. And when, whenever your mind and your will and your emotions come into line with what the Holy Spirit says, then you begin to see you're in alignment. Oh, wow, I feel like I can go out and I can do anything for God today because everything's in alignment. And whenever your thinking and your will and your emotions are aligned with the Holy Spirit, it affects your body, it affects your health. They tell us that a huge proportion of ill health is actually because of, of our soul, because of the way we live. Because of the worries, this this soul part of you is where you carry all your anxiety. This is where you get worried. This is where you begin to crave things. This is where you get passionate about things. And you see, the Holy Spirit wants to use that passion to actually to be for God. But the enemy wants to get you excited about other kind of things to take you away from God. Because the enemy knows that you're sealed. He knows that your spirit belongs to God. But he's going to try and disorder your spirit, your soul. He wants to knock your thinking out of the way and, and get you all head up and get you all knocked about. And I believe this is so important that I'm actually spending the rest of today talking about your soul. And I really feel that I want to spend all of next week talking about what happens then here. <laughs> And what does God want to see happening here? Because we, most of the time, are not listening to the Holy Spirit in our spirits. We're listening to that voice in our soul, because the soul is the boss. And it goes a bit like this. Okay, so your sugar level is too high after Christmas. You know it is, you don't feel that good. But actually, there's a piece of cake there, and you've already had a piece, and you're thinking, in your soul, you're thinking, I would love that piece of cake. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit who is in your spirit, he's prompting you, the message is coming from the Holy Spirit, that's not good for you. God said, I love you, body, soul and spirit, and that's not good for you because you're not going to feel very good after you've had that piece of cake. But inside your soul you're thinking, well actually I need that piece of cake. <laughs> because, there's just something in me that knows that I need that. <laughs> and if I have it, I'd feel good. And actually if I had it now, that would save me then and it would do without something later. And so your mind, your feeling, your emotions begin to rationalise. Now am I telling the truth here or not, ladies? <laughs> it might be a piece of cake. It might be something else. <laughs> I might want to gossip about that person, maybe I shouldn't, but I need to tell her the truth, like I need to get her out there. <laughs> it could be something else totally different. It could be I just need I just need a wee bit of a wee bit of few drinks or something to give me a bit of a lift. Harm in that. Now we're not gonna give the whole talk about alcohol because I don't believe that alcohol is totally banned, but being drunk is. And our, our soul can begin to rationalise and begin to, you see, begin to, and you're thinking about that cake and you're thinking, well, you know what, I'll just have one piece, and then that'll be me finished. And then the next day, there's more of that cake left, and you can do the whole thing all over again. <laughs> you see, there's something about our soul that is not working, because this is the area that the the patch. This is the area that the enemy wants to thin you up. if I kick that one more time, (laughs) Um, but the Holy Spirit is here on them, and that's why the Bible says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's prompting you about something in your life that you need to change, whenever we whenever we go our own direction and listen to our soul and say that to the Holy Spirit, then the enemy can get us all in a tangle here. And then we wonder why we feel all out of sorts. It's because our soul has become disordered and God wants to bring our souls back into order so that the Holy Spirit is filling our souls with what he says and we're in agreement with him. Now, it's amazing how I believe because because God can help us in this. Remember that the Holy Spirit's here and the Holy Spirit speaks through mostly through God's word. In fact, we have to balance everything that the Holy Spirit says with God's word. And I wanted to read to you a verse in uh, Hebrews chapter four, where it says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joints and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, remember we said that he's gone into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, For he faced all of the same testings that we do yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious god and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most so what does it say it's saying that the word of god is sharp and powerful and sharper than any two-edged, it's powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, and it cuts between soul and spirit. That means that the, that the word of God cuts between soul, here, and spirit. That's why the word of God is so powerful. Because, you see, the enemy doesn't want you to even take notice of the Holy Spirit. Even after you're saved, although the Holy Spirit's living in you, the old enemy's coming round you and he's saying, uh, fill your mind, filling your ideas, your, your, your emotions with other things. And if he can flood you with stuff that's going on around you and get you all worried about this or all worried about that, or if he can get you uh, thinking, if, if I could just if I could just do this and, and start acting independently instead of depending on God, then our soul very quickly will become disordered and will not feel the way we're meant to feel. Our emotions will... Know that whenever we're trusting God and we're obeying the Holy Spirit, our emotions are affected. Don't tell me you're not there. And, and you see, God wants us to be in line and safe, He wants our soul to be healthy and ordered so that He can do all that He wants to do through our body, soul and Spirit. He wants to use your body. He wants your body to be actively set aside for Him. Thessalonians 5, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, says that we have been. Sacrifice, set apart, body, soul and spirit. God wants all of you. He doesn't just want to bit of you. He just doesn't want to bring that spirit part of you home. Wants, he, wants, he wants to have dominion and to be able to use all of you, your body, for His service. Your mind, your will, your emotions. He wants it all to come into line with the Holy Spirit who lives and resides in your spirit. But the enemy does not want that. That's why it's so important to know the word of God, because the word of God can cut through. Right here, did you ever read something out of the Bible and it just spoke right in there? And if you just knew God has spoken to you, that's what happened. It's come from the Holy Spirit that lives inside you, and it's come right through here. And it says that the that the word of God can actually separate or cut between. The soul and the spirit. That's why we know there's a difference. Your soul and your spirit are different. The Bible, Hebrews 4 and 12, says that the sword of the word of God is so powerful and so sharp that it can cut between your soul and your spirit. And that's why it's so important if you know the word of God. Because there are times that you're going to need the word of God to slice through and show you what truth is. And it actually says in Hebrews 4 and 12, it, it says not only does it cut between the soul and the spirit, but it says between the joints and the marrow. What's the joints and the marrow? Your body. So it actually affects your body as well. The word of God is so powerful. Now over Christmas, I was feeling out of sorts, and I, I, oh dear, I'm going to <laughs> I was feeling a bit upside down, feeling that I wasn't the way I know that I can be with God, because I know whenever it all's lined up, that's when I know I'm my best. I know that's when I feel the best. I'm ready for anything, and I know God's with me. And the enemy's constantly, and he does it very often through your people and through getting you out of your routine. And after Christmas, I was just I was on the I was on the cake rush. <laughs> That's about during the day. I could be well during the day. I've seen nighttime. By all those bars of chocolates and the, the, those tins in the cupboards. I was really good at keeping the away from them. I like he just me, and you're really good at keeping him from those, that, that chocolate, but you're not so hot at keeping yourself from <laughs> And you know, just a couple of days ago, I just felt like God really said and spoke to me. And he said, you're not enjoying me, because your soul's out of sick, And you need to show the soul who's, who's boss. It's just like that. And then I read somewhere that the quickest way to you get your soul back into order and let it know that it's not the boss, is to do a of fasting. It doesn't have to be complete starvation of food. It could be fasting with television or something else. But well, I felt yesterday God was in fast, so I didn't have anything right up until my evening yesterday, nothing. nothing that's not a big deal, that's nothing. But you see, even doing something as simple as that, I could feel my soul getting into shape again. I could, I could feel it getting a good sharp slap. You're not the boss. Holy Spirit's the boss. And you know what? This is why it's important to, to be aware of what's going on inside of us. It's important that we know what our soul needs. And our soul needs God. We need God's presence. I want to read a couple of things to you, and then we're going to, we're going to finish saying, And we're going to continue with this next week. But a couple of things I wanted to mention to you about what our body needs. You see, Romans 12 says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, which is a reasonable service. And it also tells us not just our bodies, but that we are that, that actually we get the victory by the renewing of our minds. Right? let me tell you, your soul is controlled by your mind, your will, and your emotions. What do you think is the most important one out of those three things? What do you think? Your mind, your will, or your emotions? Which is the most important? Your will. Mind. It's a battle for the mind. The Bible says... As a man thinks, so he is. So what's going on in your head will determine what your emotions will be and what you decide, what your will will be. So it's really important that your mind is full of the Word of God and it's really important that you allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. What does that mean? It means that you begin to learn the Word of God, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and as the Holy Spirit eh, brings the Word of God to life for you, you begin to agree with that in your mind, your will and your emotions. And when you get into your mind, then your will and your emotions will come into line. How do we know that? Because because what we think we usually say. Did you ever notice that? Whatever you're thinking, we used to say, it, it'll come out eventually. It's not like right you can try and keep it in, but if you're thinking of something wrong enough, it's gonna come out and you're gonna say it. And there are power in your words. Now, I'd love to read you a couple of, just a couple of lines of what Joyce Meyer says about this, because Joyce is the queen of this. She knows all about this and she said some very, very powerful things. Here's what she says. She says that every time you open your mouth, you're ministering death or life. Why does she say that? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's what it says in Proverbs 18, verse 21. And it says, whoever shall eat the fruit of whatever you say, it will be for death or life. And she says, every time you open your big mouth, well, she doesn't say that I am, that we bit. <laughs> uh, every, time you, <laughs> every time you open your mouth, you're ministering death or life. And whatever you dish out is what you're going to have to eat. That's why we talk about you eat your words. Because what we think is what we say, and what our words have power. Uh, uh, Joyce goes on to say that we have often heard the phrase you're going to have to eat your words and Proverbs confirms this truth because the words we speak have power to influence our lives in fact you may be eating your words right now and that may be why you're not happy with your life your mouth may be getting you into trouble with yourself and so what you think is really important and what you speak is really important because that will determine what's in your mind what's in your will and how your emotions are. And I always say this, if you start speaking something out and start saying, you know what, I'm going to speak out the truth that I am am more than a conqueror through Christ who who lives in me, if I speak out that truth, then I will begin to feel that I'm more than a conqueror. If I go around every day and I say, Oh, so I always, everything else was wrong for me, and I always get it wrong, and I'll get it wrong with today because I can just sense this as a real bad day, and everything's going bad for me. If you start talking like that, you can be sure your emotions are going to come in behind that, because your emotions will line up with your words, with what you're thinking and what you're saying. And so it's really important that we understand and actually get a grip of this for everyday life that we actually start to speak out what God says, what the Holy Spirit says. In the prayer room today, we were talking about the verse that was coming forth, was that all things are possible through Christ. With him, nothing is impossible. And we were speaking on it. That begins to change the way you feel. Begins to change the way, it'll change your decision making. If you begin to believe that God can do everything, then you're gonna step out and you're you're gonna behave differently because you're not going out with somebody, oh, it'll never work. That's like somebody crippling along like that. You're going up your shoulders back and think oh, God, all things are possible. Let's get at this. Let's do it. And so this is the way God wants us to learn. I think I've been going to start to read you something about 10 times and haven't done it yet. But um, I did want to read a couple of things. Uh, and I'm going to just pick them out and then we're going to finish for today. And we're going to trust God um, to... Uh, to finish it off. I just thought this was amazing. There's a verse in Psalm 19, verse 7, and it's talking about God's law. And it says that the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Right? So what God says, Holy Spirit speaks God's word. If we would listen to this, it refreshes the soul, it refreshes our will, our mind, and our emotions. You see, we think if we can can do whatever we want, we think if our soul can think whatever you want, do whatever you want, we think if we have that freedom that that's what so satisfy No. It says here in this e book, the ability to have everything you want actually does not satisfy your soul and it actually uh, can cost you your freedom. So when you let your soul loose, you're not going to be free. Your soul is going to take over, because the enemy, remember he's, he's the one trumping it, and he's going to bring you the bondage. So the only thing that can set your mind and emotions straight, the only thing that can is actually God. Your soul needs God. Now I want to read this to you as well. It says um, the soul is incapable of satisfying itself but it is also incapable of living without satisfaction. You were made for soul satisfaction. But you will only ever find it in God. It's not a And so when you listen to God and let His laws and His word bring you, it begins to refresh your soul. You begin to feel be better about things. And we're going to look next week and we're going to see how much more God wants to do in our souls. But just read this last week. The soul, that, the, the soul craves to be secure, the soul craves to be loved, the soul craves to be significant. And we find these only in God in a way that can satisfy us. That is why the psalmist said to God, because your love is better than life, my soul will be satisfied as with the riches of foods." There is so much more that we could talk about. We're going to talk about it next week. I am so excited about it next week. I just sense that God has laid a foundation here of what he wants to show us now, how we can actually find into think, how our body will be affected by the way we think and the things we do and by our emotions. Do you know whenever you're aware that your emotions are out of control, it's affecting your body? Aaron's is haywire. And Jesus died not only to, to allow the Holy Spirit to come, not only the to wash you and forgive you your sins, not only to pay the price for your sins, but, but Jesus died so that the Holy Spirit could live in your spirit, that your soul could be in sync with the Holy Spirit, and your body be blessed and in line as well. So that body, soul, and spirit would be set aside. To live for God. I just think that is so powerful. That's what I'm longing for more of my own life, and I believe that's a secret for us, a journey for us to make over the next few weeks. Before I finish, I was going to read this because I read this this morning, and somehow or other it, it hit me, and I felt it with a word of vapor somebody today. And here's what it says This is your appointed time. And it's a reading from Deuteronomy 33, 29. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The Lord is your shield and helper, helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. The Spirit of God desires to stir up hope and expectation in your heart and soul so that you will find God-given strength to go into action and possess your promises. I believe this is a word of it. This is not a time for passivity, but an appointed time to move forward as a fully equipped soldier in God's army. Your time of training is over and the trumpet is sounding the call into glorious battle. I know we're constantly being trained, but there is a sense where there's a certain amount of training that sets you ready for what God's bringing you into. You will recover all the enemy stole and more. Rejoice that God's own shield and sword of glory is on your side today make a conscious decision to leave behind doubt and fear and unbelief unbelief, and refocus your attention on advancing with bravery and fresh courage into the territory that god has promised and apportioned to you this is your appointed time it's time to actively raise your faith and engage with god to press in for the good things he desires to give you more than you can ever imagine or think god asks Do you believe that all things are possible? Let your answer be, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe all things are possible. Lord, I believe. Let that be your response today. And let's journey over the next few days. And let's see what God wants to do. Let's see how the word of God is going to be so sharp that it's going to do an operation that's going to cut between your... Soul and your spirit and your flesh and release you into the more that God has you. Lord, I thank you that only you, by your word, only you are able to do what we can't do. Only you can satisfy our soul. Only you can come and fill us and flood us, eh, Lord, with your righteousness. Only you can give us that help and empowerment that we need to bring our mind and our will and our emotions into line with you, Holy Spirit. That we might be one that we might experience the truth of the atonement the at one that bringing our body soul and spirit at one with christ that we would know the power of your atonement of all that you've done for us when you entered into heaven and know that you're in heaven right now sitting even interceding for us speaking on our behalf in heaven interceding for us alive a risen savior who is urging us to keep going to, to receive this by faith we don't do it through stressing or striving but by faith we receive the truth of what god says that by his spirit not by your mind not by your power but by god's spirit says the lord the holy spirit can empower you you just have to say yes amen okay we're going to sing our final piece as well with my soul I'd love you to stand and sing this i would love that over the next few weeks if you'd be able to sing this song really more and more truthfully, that we were really feeding our soul was long way, that our soul wasn't the boss, but the Holy Spirit was in control and killing our souls to fulfill God's purposes.